The Daily Tap is live for Monday. We will talk about the Packers-Bears. Does the Packers offense run through Aaron Jones? We'll give out golden kegs for Packers-Bears. We'll also talk about the Brewers' fight this weekend against New York Yankees. You'll love to see that. We'll preview the Mets series as well as the week ahead for the wildcard teams. And then lastly, we'll talk about the Badgers. Can you gain anything from running over a cupcake. I have a, I have a little interesting take on that. Before we get going, I uh, just want to remind you guys to follow along on social, Tapping the Keg on Twitter, Tapping the Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. Make sure you're hanging out with us on multiple channels, having fun. The content's a little, little slow just because I was moving all weekend. So hopefully you guys are okay with that. Sorry we didn't get out a betting preview. Sorry we didn't get out a review for the Badger game. Uh, just, you know, there was there's limited opportunities, so I apologize for that. Uh, but hopefully after next week, things will kind of start normalizing again. And I'll be shooting from new locations uh, at my new house, which is awesome. And also what you could do is make sure that you're subscribing to this podcast. Make sure that you're leaving us a rating. Maybe I got to do so. so. what's cool is I have a bunch of memorabilia from my mother. I probably have too much memorabilia. Um, there are certain things that I could probably give away. And so I do think that there will be some sort of contest upcoming that will involve some giveaway stuff, some things where I'm looking at it and I'm like, all right, we have too much. We don't need this. Maybe we should just give this away. And then you got, you know, guys, you, your treasure becomes my treasure all over maybe a rating on Spotify or Apple. Maybe it's a follow contest on Instagram or, or Twitter. Um, one of the two, we will uh, we'll get it done and we'll have some fun stuff. I think I think there's there some cool things. There are some cool things that are more nostalgia, I would say, than like, wow, this is amazing sort of thing. Like, And some of the stuff stayed with me. Like I have a Burns bobblehead. I have a Giannis bobblehead on the way. Like I'm not, those aren't, those aren't being given away. Even though I know those are the ones that would get the follows. I don't know. I'm a memorabilia guy, so it's hard for me to break away from those. All right. Let's stop talking about memorabilia and let's talk about the Green Bay Packers and their win against the Chicago Bears. The Green Bay Packers headed headed into this game where they needed to have a statement, right? They lost game one to the Minnesota Vikings. It was rough. The discourse was as to be expected. And then you had the Chicago Bears, a team who was playing with a little bit of confidence after a strong week one win against the San Francisco 49ers. Take whatever you want from that game, even though it was in the rain, it built up some confidence. You heard Chris Collinsworth talk about how, you know, the Bears sort of felt like they didn't know any better. They were a young team who was just trying to make an impact on this league. I do think that the Chicago Bears, when the Packers play them at Soldier Field in early December, will be a lot better than the team that we saw tonight. But the Green Bay Packers gave them the business, and the reason they they gave the business was Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones had a monster game against the Bears. Even though Jones did not speak out publicly about only getting eight touches, the guy was pissed off all game long and ran like he was trying to make a statement, to try to tell people that this is what the Packer offense should look like. Jones finished with 132 yards on 15 carries and two touchdowns. He also had three grabs for 38 yards as well. Jones averaged 8.8 yards per carry. He was incredible. Three total touchdowns in this game. Aaron Jones saved a lot of fantasy lineups. He also ruined probably a lot of fantasy lineups as well. It was all about what Aaron Jones was doing on the football field tonight. 
And people have been pleading for this. People have asked the Packers to run the ball a little bit more. And they finally showed it. I have not necessarily been a huge advocate of it. I did say on on last week's podcast after they lost to Minnesota that they needed to run the ball a little bit more. I felt like balance was needed more than anything else. And the Packers achieved that tonight. I mean, they ran the ball in totality 38 times, five of them from Aaron Rodgers, one actual run from Rodgers, uh, and some kneel downs in there as well. But 38 to Green Bay only passing the ball 25 times. This was what a run-heavy Packers offense can look like. So that will raise the obvious question in the hot take world. Stephen A., Colin Coward, Skip will all ask the question now. Does the Packers offense need to have Aaron Jones as the headliner? And is Aaron jo- is Aaron Rodgers now going to take a step back? Tom Brady has talked about taking a step back and relying on his running games, which is a fascinating subplot to what we have with the Packers and Buccaneers next week. But we can talk about that tomorrow or the next day. A hot take world will take a side. They will go either way. They will think about if they want to defend Aaron Rodgers, if they want to talk about Aaron Jones and shit on Rodgers in the process. But as always, things are so much more nuanced. And it's not as simple as let's just keep pounding the ball with Aaron Jones. There will be games where you need Rodgers. And there will be games where you will rely more on Jones with what we saw in week two. But you cannot probably have a game anymore where Aaron Jones is not involved in it, if that makes any sense. What we saw in week one against Minnesota should never fucking happen again the rest of the season. Aaron Jones should have a mandatory 15 to 20 touches in combination with A.J. Dillon. Remember, A.J. Dillon, he didn't have the greatest game, but A.J. Dillon also had himself 19 touches in this game. A.J. Dillon actually ran the ball more than Jones, if you can believe that, but I do think some of it is load management, and that needs to be addressed. Like, I understand that people want to just say Aaron Jones is the guy, Aaron Jones will be sort of the top tier player and that Aaron Rodgers is taking a back seat. Remember, Aaron Rodgers has won MVP the last two years. Let's not forget that part of the equation. Aaron Rodgers can still fucking do it with the best of them. That's number one. And number two, Aaron Jones has had some injury issues. You have to understand that Aaron Jones is not the type of player that you can use as a workhorse. You could not say to Aaron Jones, hey, we need you touching the ball 20 to 25 times. Aaron Jones has had a tendency to break down in the past. And so I think there is a careful balance that has to take place. So that's why it's not going to necessarily run through Aaron Jones, but it's also not going to just run through Aaron Rodgers. Let's, Let's get that understood. Like Aaron Rodgers cannot play hero ball out there. And I think this opened his eyes. Now Aaron Rodgers said after the game to the media that this is all about 33 and 28, talking about Jones and Dylan and that he didn't play particularly well. So Aaron Rodgers acknowledges that Jones and Dylan had a great game. I would say Jones more than Dylan, but Dylan kind of gets the credit. Like it's kind of like when like uh, 
hip hop group, one guy has like an awesome verse, and the other guy, it's like, yeah, it's okay. Maybe like a Wash the Throne. I had, I, oh shit, I was gonna do a Kanye and Jay Z thing today with Jones and Dylan, so I'll, I'll have to go grab that for next week. Somebody put that, I'll forget. I guarantee you, I'll forget. And I'll be doing this podcast next Sunday. Be like, oh, I forgot that screen cap that I wanted to add because you could have easily done the Otis uh, music video and had had Aaron Jones and AJ Dylan right now that was that's the tweet right there would have been perfect and i let it go by me that's tough it happens to the best of us uh we just get better you know it's again it's early early in the season for us content creators as well going back to the topic about rogers and hero moral i i do think though like this kind of should open aaron Rodgers' eye like aaron Rodgers should look at this and say look i i don't need to be the guy I don't need to put everything on my shoulders. We can run the football and we can win football games. And we can do cool shit like the Sammy Watkins play late in the game. The the Bears were begging for a deep shot and Rodgers unleashed it with Sammy Watkins who had three catches for 93 yards. Which by the way, in case you're wondering, that was, let's see, let's do the quick math here. 85 more yards than Devontae Adams. Actually, take that back. That's why I'm not... <laughs> it is 81. Uh, yes, I'm not a math major, if anyone's curious. But yeah, Devontae Adams, two catches for 12 yards. Devontae Adams looked visibly frustrated at Derek Carr in the overtime for not getting him the football where it should have been in a clutch situation. Again, I hope Devontae Adams is happy with his college buddy. As pointed out by our guy, Noel Murphy, which I'll keep using this quote because I think it is... One of the best ways to describe the Adams car relationship is like once you're with your college friends for a couple weeks and it's you're just spending more and more time, and you're like, okay, we're out of college now. Like we've moved on. Like you start getting sick of it. And so I, while I hope Adams is happy, uh, and they look just fine without him. I, there were no graphics from NBC like Fox put up. And I, I really hope that Fox, who's going to have the call on next week, will put up similar graphics um, for the Packer receivers because. Watkins played great, and Aaron Rodgers was able to have that pass because of the run game, and the run game opened that up. And the more that people will sit on the run, the more things that will blossom for the Green Bay Packer offense. I think you'll see more from Dobbs and Watson. Dobbs had a couple of the bigger plays in this game. I mean, the 20-yard reception on that screen was a massive moment for that the game because it felt like that was where it all flipped. That felt like that's when it became Packers-Bears like we've seen for the rivalry in the Matt LaFleur era. And that's the type of stuff that I think we'll continue to see. I saw Ken Inglis, who is an all-time loser on Twitter, talk about how, oh, Dobbs and Watson weren't getting much getting much up the field. I, like, I hate to, I don't like the, the video people either who watch the All-22, but like, do we know that? Like Dobbs ran like a basically like a button hook uh, early on in the game. Like I'm sure that they had route options, and either Rodgers missed them or Rodgers wasn't looking their way. Yes, Rodgers focused on his guys, Cobb, Watkins, now who he gave praise after the game, and Alan Lazard. But at the same time, like I I still think that Aaron Rodgers is going to find those guys, and I also think bringing it back to Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is going to give Aaron Rodgers the ability to play a little more free and know, like, I don't need to be the MVP this year. And I'm not saying Aaron Jones will run up and grab it, 
But Aaron Jones can be the leader of this offense on certain nights. But there will be times where you have to rely on Aaron Rodgers still. So I think that to answer the original question, it sort of runs through Aaron, it, it sort of runs through Aaron Jones, but it, it runs more through Aaron Jones than it ever has before. Let's put it that way. All right. Actually, let's redo that. So it sounds a little more a little more uh, firm. To answer the original question, the offense now runs through Aaron Jones more than ever. It doesn't, it's not the way the offense should do it. It's not the only way the offense should do it. But more and more focus should be on Aaron Jones. And and Rodgers saying that we have just scratched the surface offensively with Jones tells me that he realizes this too and that he is on board. Aaron Rodgers gets a lot of shit in the media, but I know that man wants another Super Bowl more than anything else in the world. And he knows that Aaron Jones is the key to that Super Bowl. And so I'm very curious to see how this progresses. Again, Tampa, not necessarily the easiest team to run against. New England, who they have the following week, not very easy to run the football against. How does that how does that develop? How are they able to still use Jones? And if they get down early in one of those games, probably more Tampa than New England, do they abandon the run like they have before? Or do they still trust it and go back to it? I think credit to Chicago, they can't really pass the football and they ran it down Packers' throats on the drive where they were trailing by two scores. And now they ended up, it'd be a goal line stand, the Packers held. But at the end of the day, that's still, it's still an important, it's still important to for the Packers to see in a weird way of like, we can't just throw the run out. When things are going bad, it cannot be, it cannot be this afterthought. And so that's why Aaron Jones is more of a focus than ever before. It's not officially his offense because you still have an MVP quarterback, but it's more of a timeshare than we've seen in the past. Moving on to the Golden Kegs. If you're unfamiliar with the Golden Kegs, this is our segment where we give ratings from five to one, consider it the best and worst players from the game against the Chicago Bears. The reason why we do Golden Kegs, it's a rivalry trophy between UWM and Marquette. I apologize for having to explain this every time, but if there are new people to this podcast, I think they want to at least understand the process behind this. Five golden kegs goes to Aaron Jones, obviously, right? Aaron Jones was the guy tonight. We talked about it at length already. Just a dominating performance from him and something that I don't... I really think it's way up there of the all-time Aaron Jones performances. The Dallas one was really special when they didn't have Devontae Adams. I think that was 2019. That was when the that's the famous wave game. That was a great Jones game. The Kansas City game that same year was really good from Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones has had some moments in his Packer career, and I'd have to dig through the game logs. But this is a very memorable one and one of the better ones that I think we've seen in quite some time. So... All the credit goes to Aaron Jones and our five keg award winner for tonight. Four kegs goes to Preston Smith. I thought Preston Smith played an incredible football game. 
He finished with seven total tackles, two sacks, two P, two TFLs, and three quarterback hits. Absolutely filling up the stat line. He was everywhere on the football field. Uh, I thought he did a really good job setting the edge, making sure that Justin Fields didn't go outside. Um, he he was really really special. Beat his guy a couple different times. Got in the field's face. I think this was a excellent performance from Preston Smith. And now he gets to eat against the Tampa Bay defense next week, which has to be, or Tampa Bay offense, excuse me, has to be exciting. The offensive line there is battered and bruised. So it's going to be another good opportunity for Preston Smith. Different quarterback for sure with Tom Brady. But yes, I, I really loved what I saw from Preston Smith. Um, he, to me, is one of the leaders, if not the leader of the defense. I think he is a guy that commands a lot of respect in that locker room and when, when he's really going, I think the Packer defense can be truly special. And I think we saw that in spurts tonight. Um, we'll talk about the run defense struggles in a bit here. But I thought the Packer defense overall after that first drive were really, really strong. They need to fix what's going on with those first drives. I think part of it is the script. Um, we've seen now two guys, uh, Kevin O'Connell and Luke Getze, who have familiar with Joe Barry who have scripted really well. And we'll see what that stays with Byron Leftwich and Matt Patricia in the next two weeks, two guys who are not as familiar with what Joe Barry wants to do. Um, when the Buccaneers faced off against the Packers last in 2020, Joe Barry wasn't there. So that's a added storyline. And hopefully Preston Smith is gonna get involved. Like I said, there should be areas of opportunity for him. He really propelled this defense to something special and, and hopefully the signs of things to come for Preston. Three kegs goes to Elton Jenkins. Elton Jenkins returned to the lineup after his ACL tear. Uh, he showed some rust. He had some, he had some moments that weren't great. Um, guys got to Aaron Rodgers. It's something that you don't see often with Elton Jenkins. Um, but the fact that he made it out there, the fact that he didn't have any sort of residual pain from it um, is great to see. And that adds so much to what the Packers do. And Aaron Rodgers felt like they would not have won the game if Eldon Jenkins hadn't played. I don't know if I'd go that far, um, but Eldon Jenkins really helped steady what they're, what they're doing from an offensive line perspective. Uh, Royce Newman there at right guard, um, and then Runyon, who came back from his concussion at left guard, and Josh Nyman at the left tackle position. Besides one drive, Nyman was pretty good as well. And maybe David Bakhtiari is back next week. Um, we'll see if Bakhtiari is able to play against Tampa. I personally would rather have Bakhtiari play against New England. I just look at the viciousness of the Tampa pass rush. A little nervous about that as first game back after a bum knee, after the rust we saw with Jenkins. I think the rust will be ex exponentially larger for, for Bakhtiari. And while the New England Patriots are no slouches either, you're at home, it's your turf, the weather will likely be a lot more balmier for alignment versus whatever the hell we're gonna see in Tampa, on, where it's impossible for the Packers not to play a hot game in Tampa Bay. So I just look at it like, I think New England makes a lot more sense. I understand the consternation uh, from Packer fans. I saw Andy Herman talk about how like, Packer fans just sound terrible with their complaining about Bakhtiari. 
I think it goes back to something I said. And I have to actually probably do like a segment on this, like some random day where there's not a lot going on. But it seems like fans' attitudes on players change when they get paid. And when they get paid, there is a level of expectation that you need to be, you need to earn your contract. I think that in Milwaukee, that like it, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, it just goes crazy. Like I think fans just are like have these high ass expectations versus understanding he's getting paid for what he did, and the expectation is that he will continue to play. He had a freak injury. He tried to rush it back. It didn't work out. So I understand Herman's point about the Packer fans being a little bit idiotic, but I also understand that people are frustrated and they want their guy back and they felt like it's like we paid him all this money why can't he be out there so yeah i i think that there is a little bit of i understand both sides there i think there there are some pinheads saw someone who's like you should cut bakhtiari it's like i like understand that how the seller cap works and dead cap works one time for me like there's no way they would cut david bakhtiari so as for Eldon Jenkins, it was good. I think it will. this game will help him against Tampa Bay. I'll be curious to see if they bump Jenkins over the left tackle. I think right they'll keep him at right with the assumption that he's going to be there for Bakhtiari. If we see Bakhtiari, what does that offense look like? Does Josh Nyman find his way as a right guard? Does Elton Jenkins bump into right guard and Nyman's then your right tackle? I... I like Josh Nyman better than Royce Newman. You guys know that I really wasn't a Royce Newman guy last year. I like Runyon. Um, his dad, Zach Tom spot. I'm not sure. I think the internet and us like Zach Tom more than the Packer coaches do, which is fine, I guess. But I, I think Zach Tom is going to thrive when he gets that opportunity. Remember, John Runyon, it took, what, halfway through the season last year or the year prior for Runyon to kind of step up. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, shit, John Runyon's actually good. And it's like, yeah. It's kind of kind of how we were leaning, so we'll see what happens there. Um, Josh Myers was, you know, th- there were some moments for Josh that weren't the best, but there he was a three star too. I thought the line in general was probably a three star, but led by Elton Jenkins and him returning from injury. Two st- two kegs uh, goes to the handoff sloppiness. Uh, mentioned Myers, uh, the snap was brutal. Uh, snapped it on one when it was supposed to be two. That was nearly a disaster. Then the Rodgers snafu with A.J. Dillon, which he took responsibility for. They just got to work on that shit. Like, against the Bears, you can get away with that. Against a lot of other teams, you can't. You can't get away with that against the Vikings. Can't get away with that against the Buccaneers. Can't get away with that against the Bills when you play them later this year or the Rams, right? Like, that shit can't happen against actually good teams. It can happen against bad teams. You can get those kinks out. But it goes back to like, okay, if you play preseason, would this have all happened, right? Like, I know beating a dead dead horse about that, but it's it's kind of true, right? And so hopefully it's cleaned up. Rodgers now with two fumbles in two games. He did not have a single fumble last year. I think some of that, you know, is just how it goes. But hopefully it's not like a trend of things to come. I don't think it is. Um, but I am a little bit concerned that that's, that's happening. I'd hate to have that be like a late-stage issue for Aaron Rodgers. One keg, the Packer run defense. Man, big-time 2019 vibes, right? They ran all over the Green Bay Packers tonight. David Montgomery had a very strong game. He always seems to play pretty well against Packers. 
rushed for 122 yards. Uh, Herbert ran for 38. Justin Fields ran for 20. In total, the Bears ran for 180 with an average of 6.7. They carried the ball, as we mentioned, all the way down the field before a goal line stand. And they were running through the Green Bay Packers. Like, it wasn't even close. And as pointed out by Ross Helgram, he Joe Barry wasn't even running any sort of soft soft stuff. Like, it was, there was opportunity. It was base defense, and the Packers couldn't bring anybody down. Now, is that because the Bears' offensive line is actually okay and David Montgomery is a pretty good running back? Maybe. But you have Leonard Fournette next week. You have uh, Ramondre Stevenson and Damien Harris the following week who are two big bruising running backs. You have Saquon the following week after that. Like You have good running backs coming to town in the next few weeks, and so you've got to figure that out. Like That has to be done the right way, and some of it is Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage who continue to struggle. And last time we had a Bears-Packers Sunday night game, I got on the podcast, and I was a little more somber after a win because I was like, the special teams could cost us a Super Bowl. Like, And I have that podcast. That podcast exists if you search our archives. And I basically called my shot. And that's exactly what happened. And for this one, it's like, I'm a little concerned that we do not have average safeties. We have below average safeties. And that's, that's part of the run defense problem. And... I'm just I'm just hopeful that Adrian Amos isn't washed. Hopefully, that it's just a tough start to the season and nothing more, um, and that he's going to bounce back uh, because the Packers need it. Uh, Packers run defense just has a little bit of work to do, and it's not going to be easy against Leonard Fournette. And hopefully, they'll they'll figure out more and more things to do to make this run defense better, and and hopefully find. Some different opportunities because I assumed that they would be better with Jaron Reed that was brought on, Devondre Campbell, obviously, Quay Walker. Like they should be pretty good at stopping the run, and they weren't. But as has been pointed out, this defense has done a pretty good job overall. Like they've only allowed 33 points. That's pretty solid, um, all things considered. Number two, they've been very good on third down, they've been very good in the red zone. So it's been a little bit better than people make it out to be. And I think that's important to note. And I think that should make you feel good. And it should make you maybe consider if you think, oh, this defense stinks. I wouldn't go that far. They they have bad moments here and there. It seems like they have bad drives. And that that's a little concerning because it's like, okay, how do you buckle yourself up after so-and-so hit a big play? But yes, um, Definitely curious to see how the run defense performs next week. We'll probably make it onto the storylines when we do those podcasts on Monday or Tuesday. Uh, to go over the keg list again here, uh, you had Aaron Jones, five kegs, Preston Smith with four, Elton Jenkins with three, the handoff sloppiness at two kegs, and the Packer run defense with one keg. Uh, wasn't mentioned, but needs to be an honorable mention. The Lazard Hiawaska celebration was incredible. Um, best celebration of the year. Uh, definitely, you'll see that on TikTok and Instagram from me. I might be late. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it was an all-time celebration for him. Rogers was like, I had no planning in that. Uh, he smiled to the media. I think Rogers, like he kind of made a gesture to Lazard after it happened. Rogers wanted Lazard to wait. 
so that they they could do it together. But I, I'm not sure. I, I can't can't confirm or deny that. But it was a great celebration to say the least, and definitely deserved an honorable mention. I thought Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth doing a pretty good job. Um, Tirico, I still am not there fully that like it's a big game. Like Monday Night Football is so much more important with Trey Aikman and Joe Buck. Like you just feel the importance of it. Just like Nance and Romo, they have the same feel. I don't know if I get that yet with Chris Collinsworth and Mike Tirico. I used to get that with Al Michaels and Chris. Um, Al and Kurt Herbstreit, I will say, have some of that. Even though the chemistry isn't all there, those are two titans, um, no doubt about it. I just, Collinsworth is there, which helps, but Trico, it's, it's, I'm not, I'm not all, all there with that yet. Burkhardt and Wilson, same thing. Like, I have trouble thinking of them not as the number two team for Fox, and in fact, they're number one, but that's here and there. there. Don't think I have anything else. It's good to beat the Bears. Everybody got a little bit chesty about one week, and the Packers showed exactly what they're all about. Uh, Aaron Dodgers' ownership now 24-5, and and we'll see you next week for Golden Kegs and an open when we talk about Tampa Bay. But we have more things to talk about. That's the cool thing. It's not just Packers. We're not just ending at the 30-minute mark. No, sir. We are also talking about the Milwaukee Brewers. We had a good weekend. I know they lost yesterday, uh, 12 to eight. They didn't play all that well. Uh, pitching was quite the mess uh, after they, the Brewers had kind of started off hot on Garrett Cole. Uh, Garrett Cole settled in and let the offense do the work for him. Uh, I, you could go a hundred ways on what that says about Aaron or uh, Garrett Cole going forward, but Aaron Judge did hit two home runs and the Brewers lose that one. But it wasn't really that, in effect, it wasn't that bad of a loss because Philadelphia Phillies also lost today to the Atlanta Braves, who swept them, and the Padres took over that second spot to play the Braves. So now it's a race with the Phillies. It's been a race with the Padres. It's going to be a race with all three. It's going to come down to the wire. It is not going to be fun. You're going to want to rip your hair out. And every game is worth watching right now. It's must-see TV. Like, I flipped it on even with ba- with football going on. I had had the baseball game on as well before it got out of hand with what the Yankees were doing. And But at the end of the day, I commend the Brewers this weekend. They played really well. They, they truly, truly played like a playoff team. And I think that's all you can ask for. And I think they played like a playoff team against the St. Louis Cardinals more on Tuesday night than Wednesday. Wednesday... You know, if you're a playoff team, you're driving those runs in. You're not letting Adam Wainwright sort of slip out of the of that game. But on Friday night, you know, they're down 5 nothing early on. It looks like it's going to be a back-to-back Brewer loss. And then the Brewers just kind of keep chipping away. They didn't necessarily chip. They didn't necessarily go all in with like a grand slam and then another home run. It just couple bites at the apple, which I know the fans love. And... They were able to tie it up and actually take the lead before Taylor Rogers gives up the home run in the ninth to Josh Donaldson. And I still defend the idea of Williams in the eighth and Rogers in the ninth. In the eighth, you had Aaron Judge, you had Gene Carlos, and I want to call him Mike and Gliber Torres. Like that was the guys to get out. And then you had the other, you had the middle of the order in the ninth, 
the hope was Rodgers could keep it up, but he didn't. I also don't know if I would have used Rodgers in that situation, considering how good Dave Donaldson has been against lefties for his entire career. But I guess you also don't have any anybody else left with closing experience. After the Rodgers home run, the Brewers again found a way. Garrett Mitchell hits the base base hit single to walk it off for the crew and get them the 7-6 win. They followed up with a really strong outing from Brandon Woodruff, who looks to me more like the ace of this team than Corbin Burns. Uh, both are great, but yes, Woodruff was special in this one. I thought Woody really, really showed something to me. Uh, 10 strikeouts rifled through that that Yankees offense. Struck out Stanton four times. I think Judge went down a couple times. Woodruff was special. And I think that, to me, is your game one starter if the Brewers were to make the playoffs. Because I think he just sets the tone. He is a tone-setting guy. I know Carver Burns won Cy Young. But Woodruff just is a bulldog, man. He keeps it all together. And he was really good against the Yankees on Saturday. And then they got offense from Willie Adams, who was red hot. I had a three-run homer on Friday. He had a three-run homer on Saturday. He now has the franchise record from Robin Yount. Uh, really cool stuff for Adams uh, as he continues to blossom. I, I know that I will point thought maybe Willie should be a trade block candidate. I, I know that there are multiple years left on this deal, but I, I've stepped off that ledge. Um, you know, you're hitting 32 home run or 30 home runs, 98 to nearly 100 RBIs, and you're hitting about 230. I think in today's baseball, where like the league average is 241 or 243, I think we'll take that from Willie Adamas any, any day of the week. So yes, Good stuff from him. And then, yeah, today was a wash. Jason Alexander is not a starting pitcher in the big leagues. The Brewers have to do it. They're in a tight spot. Ethan Small, unfortunately, has not really developed, I think, the way they wanted to this year. And that's really thrown a wrench in a lot of their plans. So now we'll move on to this week. We have Scherzer versus Burns on Monday night. I didn't know that we were getting blessed with this. I knew I saw that the Mets had not decided on a pitcher. Uh, the Brewers obviously rolling out with Burns today, and now it'll be Scherzer and Burns. You do not get many baseball matchups quite like that. I realize there are two Monday night games. I understand you probably have Josh Allen fantasy, or you have Justin Jefferson, or you have Dallas Goddard, or Jalen Hurts. I get that, but you have Scherzer versus Corbin Burns. That is an all-time matchup. If I wasn't moving out of my house, I would definitely think about getting down to the game on, on Monday. That's just such a special matchup between two of the best pitchers in the game. I actually do think the Brewers have a slight advantage against Scherzer as he does give up a lot of left-handed home runs, the Brewers with their short porch. I would not be surprised if Rowdy or Colton Long or Christian Yelich were able to go deep on Scherzer. Uh, he is susceptible against left-handers, and hopefully the Brewers can get it done. I mean, they're... Facing a team that's in a fight right now with the Atlanta Braves for the ones the number or this two seed and the NL East crown. Uh, the Mets are holding on for dear life. Uh, they played well over the weekend against Pittsburgh Pirates, so they should have a little bit of momentum heading into this one. As for the other teams this week, you have the Padres against the St. Louis Cardinals starting on Tuesday. It's a three-game series, and then you have. The Philadelphia Phillies taking on the Toronto Blue Jays for two. 
Uh, and both, all three are playing against playoff teams. So you could look at it in the glass half full that even if the Brewers were to lose two out of three of the Mets, let's just say, it's possible that the Padres could lose two out of three and the Diamondbacks, or the Phillies, I don't know where I was going with Diamondbacks, could get swept out of the Blue Jays series. So it could all, it could kind of all be null. But what's important for the Brewers is they have this Monday game, and if they win that one, they get a half game on both teams. So they will be even more in striking distance. The Brewers would then put themselves at a one back of the Philadelphia Phillies. Or no, I'm sorry, one and a half. Apologies, two. So one and a half back of the Phillies as they kind of try to fight back. Like I said, I wish, like hell, that this Brewer team would have shown this at the start of the month. Some A flip switch for them, which is great. I'm glad it did. But it flipped way too late. And I hope that never happens again. All right, let's wrap up with the Wisconsin Badgers. We're not going to do best and worst because it was a complete cupcake. Okay? Like, New Mexico State is probably the worst team in the FCS. It's right there with Hawaii. It's awful. Uh, they got ran all over. Uh, the Badgers win 66-7. to A uh, special night for the Badgers across the board. You got Miles Burkett in for the first time. You also had Deacon Hill. It was a glorified preseason game. Now, we've seen Michigan take a ton of shit recently for their schedule. A lot of people think that Michigan is not the team that maybe people think they are, just considering how poor their schedule has been. But can you get something out of these cupcake teams? I think number one, it builds confidence, right? Like you're immediately gonna feel more confident about yourself and your abilities when you play New Mexico State. It's very similar to when someone would go hog hunting and they would say, all right, I just need to get back in a groove. I need to start having sex. I'll take down anyone I see. It doesn't matter if she's stubby. It doesn't matter if she's an Amazon woman. I need, I just need to get it, get it off and get it in. And so I think you have more of that with what New Mexico State brings to the table. And yes, you're probably not going to get better this week. But maybe you tried some different things from a play call perspective. Maybe you looked at how the offensive line or defensive line look. Like you can, you can analyze cupcake games in more of an effective manner. Not necessarily more of an effective manner, but in an effective manner that gets you ready for next week. They didn't look ahead to Ohio State. They didn't have any issues with that, which should be a win. And to kind of now dial it back and say, all right, what are the things that we can implement against Ohio State? Because that is a massive game for the Badgers for a variety of reasons. And I do have a unpopular take about that game that I'm going to unveil. I think it's definitely going on on socials. I don't know if it's going to be a podcast topic, but I, I look at that game and I'm like, all right, you study the Notre Dame tape. You try to figure out a way about how do you keep this game from getting out of hand and letting Ohio State's offense cook. I mean, they put 77 points on fucking Toledo. I mean, that's incredible. How do you avoid that happening? Now, I'm not saying the Badgers are Toledo. They are much better defensively. But how do you avoid that? You slow it down. But then the challenge is, okay, if you slow it down and you're running on first down every time, 
that's going to create a real issue and you're not going to succeed. We'll see what happens. Uh, I think I do think you can get confidence that maybe was missing. And after the disaster against Washington State, they know the type of football they need to play. And to me, this was a resounding win for the Badgers. They should be happy with it. Uh, but the real fun starts next week against Ohio State and a really tough way to start the Big Ten season with Ohio State, you go home to Illinois, you have Northwestern, which is a house of horrors, and then you go to Michigan State. Now, Michigan State has not looked good early on. Uh, it seems like Michigan State's going to take a step back this year. But regardless, you still got to look at this and say, all right, we we definitely need to be ready for uh, – I wouldn't even call it a gauntlet. It's not a gauntlet. It's two tough games sandwiched in between potentially tough games. It's like having a jalapeno burger, right? I always go back to, like, burgers and sandwiches. But, like, you have a good bun, you have your brioche, and then in the middle, it's like, okay, I could eat this nine times out of ten, and it's not that spicy, and then that one time I eat it, and it's super fucking spicy. That's the, hey, the Badgers are only up 21 to 17 on Illinois, and there's less than two minutes to go. Or the Badgers are trailing in Northwestern 14 to 10, and they're driving to try to salvage salvage this game. That's where it kind of can get extra spicy. So yes, I think you you gotta try to take care of business, do the best you can against Ohio State. They are really, really fucking good, and I hope that is reminded in, in the locker room. Maybe it's a shock the world situation, we'll see. Highly unlikely, but you never know. You never know sports, man. Sports are crazy, we saw that with week two of the NFL, we saw that with week three of college football. It's never a dull moment. All right, that does it for today's show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk a variety of things. Maybe my unpopular Badger take. Mitch on Wednesday, uh, so Thursday for a tab at the keg. I do have a Milwaukee podcast that I want to do uh, probably Thursday uh, for Friday's show. There will be tears probably. I don't know. Uh, but I do want to talk about my experience with Milwaukee as I am no longer a Milwaukee resident starting on Friday. So stay tuned for that. I hope you guys will enjoy that. Um, feel free to shoot me any things that I should touch on. Joe Cats, old time and Flannery's, um, bear fights. Um, there will be. There will all try. I will all try to mention those. But yeah, I'll be a little personal of a podcast to start the show on Friday. Uh, so hope that's okay with everybody uh, because I definitely want to get out my thoughts about how much living in this city meant to me. Um, so we'll, we'll do that a little bit later um, this week. So stay tuned for that. And yeah, we'll see you on the socials, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram and TikTok. Make sure you're following. And then lastly, rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate it. All right, I'll, I'll get out of your hair now. Have yourself a good Monday. Enjoy your first victory Monday of the season. Hopefully many more to come. All right, take care, guys. Have a good one. Bye.